So here I am as, as this, you know, ridiculous fanboy turned director now wanting to do the sequel to, you know, Ridley Scott's Alien film. And everybody tried to talk me out of it. They said, well, don't do that because, you know, anything that's good in your movie will be attributed to Ridley and anything that's bad will be attributed to you. It's a no-win scenario. And I said, but yeah, but I really want to do it. It'll be cool. Alien was a remarkable film, and it, it influenced a generation of, of filmmakers, especially those that like science fiction and fantasy, and I was one of them. And I, I, you know, I was as much doing an homage to what Ridley had created as, a, as I was making my own movie, but I did set out to do both in a balance. I didn't think I could out, outdo Alien for pure shock. I don't think anybody could, you know. Uh, it certainly has been tried a great number of times, and no, nobody's really done it. I mean, so I had to come up with, I had to come up with an end run around that that would be equally entertaining for an audience, but in a different way. And I knew I could do action. I knew I could do white knuckle action. That I could, I could turn the screw tighter and tighter in an action sequence. So I figured, all right, let's do that. Let's jump off from the from the horror premise into what ultimately becomes an action film. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. All right, I'm in. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hi. Follow us on Instagram at Speak All Evil Pod. It's episode 201. Yay! Woo! Kat, you missed episode 200. I know. I'm sorry. My PTO. Are you? No, Are you sorry? not not particular. Not after recording the um, synopsis. I'm for sorry. You. Uh, why? I'm sorry you weren't here because it was such a drag. Without you, we were. I came in, I was really trying to hype myself up because I was pretty tired last week and mm-hmm. I, I spent the whole drive over. I'm trying to get into podcast mode and episode 200, you know, what a milestone. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I get here and there's some bands recording and then the we space? start recording. Yeah. Oh. And I'm looking at a guy, he's wearing a bathrobe with a hood on it. Is that Dave? Yes. I wore that for my last <laughs> gig, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so right away, and I was like, man, if only Kat was here, we could really <laughs> celebrate 200 episodes. And now this week, the studio is under new management to come in here. Woo. It's like night and day. Yeah. <laughs> I think the old management is listening. Uh, he's driving cross country. Oh. And he said he was going to check in on the podcast. So <laughs> see what we're up he to. He might be listening. <laughs> I just want to let you know that smoking prohibition has <laughs> lifted. We are back smoking. Woo. I don't know. Poker I mean, night over here. <laughs> I brought my cigars. I don't know. People were saying when, when management changes, this place is going to go way downhill. But from what I can see so far. Yeah, like we spent it. like 10 minutes weekend. without uh, this <laughs> Clorox wipes. And it's just amazing in here. It's great without all that gear. Forget that guy and all that gear. We don't need it. I can see myself in the mirror now across yeah. the way. Got this lamp that I, I really it. like that I already commented on. <laughs> Happy New Year, guys. Yay. Happy New Year. 200 episodes, new year coming up on our four-year anniversary. Jesus. New management. Wow. <laughs> Excellent stuff. How many episodes have you missed, Trent? None. Zero? Zero. Kevin, you've missed one? Or did you None. sneak in that one time? Wow, it's we just snuck you and me. I think you snuck yourself snuck in. in. I snuck in. Yeah, yeah. I recorded oh, separately right. in Singapore and Trent. Did a hell of a that job. Was the time travel episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. and then you showed up at one that you said you weren't going to be at, and yeah. you watched the movies real quick. Yes. and did it with us. Yeah. That was commendable. And then me and Dave. I'm surprised. I just was filling Dave and Kevin in on Steamboat Willie is now in the public domain as of the first of the year. Anybody's free to use the image of Mickey and Minnie as they appear in the original Steamboat Willie animated short and there are already two slasher movies underway they're getting the Winnie the Pooh treatment one of them is called the uh, Mickey's Mousetrap oh god <laughs> so I'm bad. all set <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I, I, I'll check it out 
I'd rather watch that than the Blood and Honey one. I still haven't seen that. Yeah. There's a sequel. The sequel to Blood and Honey is coming out soon, I think, and I might just go right to that one since I've already been put off the original just from word of mouth. Mm. Yep. I mean, maybe it gets more of a budget for the second one because it was kind of yeah. a cult thing. Yeah. But I don't know. Hey, I, I don't judge it until I see it. Unless someone tells me not to see it, and then I might not see it. I checked out the new Saw movie. Oh, yeah. How was that? I loved it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I Is think it's great. 10? Yeah, the 10th one. Wow. Yeah, kind of. Uh, it's like a prequel. takes place in between Saw 1 and 2. Oh. Uh, really well done. If you're a fan of the franchise, you're going to love it. Big upgrade from Spiral, the Chris Rock one there. And uh, yeah, I thought it was it's it's good. Is anyone notable in it? I haven't even seen a trailer. I mean, well, Tobin Bell is is Jigsaw, um, Shawnee Smith, who mm-hmm. is in the first uh, or the second one, and then kind of gets revealed as like his accomplice or whatever. She's in that. Um, yeah. Other, otherwise, I couldn't really name. I don't think any, off the top of my head any cast members. But it's it's good. It's a solid solid horror flick. Nice. Anybody good else? Um, no, I watched like Saltburn and a bunch of like drama. Oh, did you oh. like Saltburn? I did. Yeah. yeah. I watched half of that and then fell asleep, but it... Well, you missed the best parts. <laughs> the, the, were there penises? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Lots, <laughs> I heard there were lots, penises. Yeah. Say that. Ooh, what? What do you it, mean? It reminded me a lot of uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which, which has that you saw guy. the new Yorgos Lanthimos. I would, yeah, I went on things. New Year's Eve. I saw Poor Things. Oh. And you just responded with a five Michelin star rating. <laughs> yes, uh, five Lanthimos stars. is a god. Lanthimos <laughs> is a god. So you want to talk at all about it? You're acting all bashful. I, no, I mean, I, I loved it. It was amazing. It was incredible. Every minute of it was incredible. Emma Stone, not, you know, not that I keep up with the Oscar races. I doubt I will see many other of the movies of people who are nominated for best actress but in my book if i mean she'll definitely be nominated no question about it It, she is incredible and i haven't really seen her in much i mean i just think of her as like rom-com stuff i forgot she won an academy award (laughs) zombie land right yeah but i forget she won an oscar for la la land a few years ago not on my radar but um it's incredible. You, so you guys will love it. It's loosely based on Frankenstein. Would you yes. say we could talk about it on the show? Is it horror at all? It's not horror, but it's horrific in in some. I mean, she's she's created. No, this is no spoiler. She is created by uh, Willem Dafoe. Creates her. He's like Doctor Frankenstein, and she is basically Frankenstein's monster. And there are some, you know, it's pretty a couple of graphic scenes of her creation, mm. and then most of the graphic scenes after that are sex scenes. Not that they're particularly graphic, but uh, it's incredibly funny. It's hilarious. It's it looks amazing. It looks it goes back and forth between black and white and color. I, I loved every minute. It was really good. I'm excited. This week, it's Kevin's sequel week. Kevin has chosen two direct sequels to two classic in my opinion i think in, in anyone's opinion alien isles i i say 28 days later is classic uh we're going to start by checking out 1986's aliens living in a state of suspended animation for the past 57 years the sole survivor of the bloody nostromo massacre in alien lieutenant first class ellen ripley wakes up in a salvage ship on its way back to earth now faced with the consequences of her actions Disgraced Ripley reluctantly accepts to escort a company executive along with a tough-as-nails squad of U.S. Marines to a terraforming and mining colony on LV-426. But there, on the dark surface of the remote exoplanetary satellite, multitudes of predatory creatures known as xenomorphs prowl the area. This time, it's war, and as the undaunted, acid-spewing space insects decimate the arm-to-the-teeth troops once more, Ripley must take her life into her own hands. Can a woman alone put an end to the nightmare of the ferocious aliens? So this one is firmly planted in my HBO brain. This, for me, it came out when I was really young. Yeah, It's one of the movies where I saw it young on HBO and it seemed to be on like every single time you turned on HBO. Yeah. So I've seen this movie dozens and dozens of times. And I wanted to go with like, you know, a couple movies this week that are the originals are classics, the sequels 
do more of the same, but a lot different. And both of the movies this week sort of up the action and then militarize the fuck out of the originals. So to me, this one, you know, James Cameron getting a hold of, you know, the Alien franchise and doing Aliens, he definitely upped the action. He had already done Terminator. Uh, so it's questionable if this is really like a horror movie as much as like a sci-fi action kind of thriller. But to me, to little me watching this, there's so many terrifying scenes. Um, Sigourney Weaver is once again amazing. Newt, that character, it just... You know, she was my age when I was watching this movie, so I glommed onto mm. that, thought about the horror of, like, being in this space station and having your entire community wiped out and you're hiding from these creatures. Uh, so some of those scenes, definitely, like, the more isolated scenes really scared the shit out of me. There's a med bay scene that happens with Newton Ripley that I still find terrifying. Uh, so... While it's very, like I said, militarized and very action heavy, uh, I still found this to be really terrifying. I, d I definitely saw this before I saw the original Alien. So this was like my, you know, oh, Alien? Yeah, I know Alien. No, I didn't until I was older. I know Aliens. Uh, and then you have both of these movies this week have pretty legit casts. When a lot of them were younger, we get a young Bill Paxton in this one who was sort of there for like comic relief, uh, playing, you know, the quote unquote quote, dumb, you know, jarhead. Mm -hmm. uh, you get Michael Bine, who was coming off of Terminator. <clears throat> Sigourney Weaver, still not quite, I don't think at this point, like Sigourney Weaver. Lance Henriksen, a young Lance Henriksen, I guess. Did he ever look young? I feel like mm. the guy came out of the womb looking like he was like 57 <laughs> years old. Um, and then uh, just a, a whole bunch of Paul Reiser. And like, this is how I knew Paul Reiser. So as a child, I thought Paul Reiser was a dick. I had no idea he was a comedian. <laughs> just thought he was this asshole. Um, you could so, be both. Yeah, yeah. Well, fair. So to me, uh, this is sort of like what you do to a franchise if you want to completely go in a different direction, keep a lot of the heart of the original, and then do some like good kind of twists. Like The things that you're going to amp up, I think Cameron did, the, did a, the right thing amping it up. The things that he kept true to the original, I think he did a good job there. Um, and then I think my favorite part about this movie, watching it as I get older, is how faithful he really stayed to the character of Ripley and how Sigourney Weaver just absolutely, she kicks ass in Alien, she kicks more ass in this one. And I love the fact that here we are in like the mid 80s where everything, every strong woman, every woman in a movie had to have a big love interest. There had to be this romantic angle. I love the fact that you got the character of Ripley just being a badass, couple googly eyes at Hicks a few times, <laughs> oh, that was cute. but that's about it. Um, so yeah, I, I love this one. I really could not care any less what anyone else in this room says. This movie to <laughs> wow, me okay, wow. uh, is... Easy week for me, though. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the I'm take. kidding. I can't wait to talk to you Bye. guys about it. <laughs> I threw this on last night, and I was like, fuck this movie. This shoot em up macho, gung-ho, semper-fi, douchebag-ass action shit. This Rambo-ass Schwarzenegger yeah. motherfucking Chuck Norris in yep. space ass Ooh, shit yeah <laughs> shit <laughs> no uh, but i did I, I was rolling my eyes a little bit i do get tired of gunfire just when there's just machine guns going and it's just f nozzle flash and muzzle flash or whatever the hell it's called i just i do start to get a little tired and there was a point in this in this where i was just like you know alien and you it's hard talking about the uh distinction between the two sequels because it's alien and aliens but alien the first one is is very true to this psychological sci-fi horror that this one kind of goes more like action instead of that uh, there's even parts of alien that remind me of like 2001 a space odyssey and it's it's more like stark and it's scarier to me so that's what had me eye rolling this whole movie and being like, oh, fuck this. And then the fucking ending, the, the endings, you know, just the way they stick the landing so hard, even in its action avatar ass glory. I loved it at that point. At that point, I was like, all right, I've just been a curmudgeon this whole time because I consider this an action movie. Uh, and there is a lot of it that's action. I would take less action and more suspense like there was in the first one. But by the end of it, I was 
I was cheering for Ripley, and um, I thought it was great. Lance Henriksen's demise uh, is just spectacular, milky and gory, <laughs> and uh, I, I loved it. Uh, mm. Not to yeah, spoil great. anything, so but, good. Yeah, uh, as well as I just want to talk about everyone dying, but. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's going to be hard to spoil this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Paul Reiser, you know, they just set him up as the guy from the movies of this era. There's always the guy that has it coming, uh, and he's always doing underhanded shit, and it's usually involved with greed, uh, and this is very much the case with him. And you got so many muscles in this movie, though. Mm. And that's that's what gets nice. me. This era was very heavy in... The they put the fucking football makeup on their eyes and they're like chewing tobacco and spitting everywhere and they got a giant gun. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. You sound yeah. turned on. You sound really like, maybe I on. am. I, I was talking about Vasquez. I think you watched. Uh, <laughs> I think you saw Predator. <laughs> well, this reminded me a lot of of that. I I did like Vasquez's character. Um, and I was trying to wonder. I was wondering like, where did I fall in love with this woman before? And it was near dark. And there was both <gasps> movies. Yes. Oh. And she's she's like the dirty blonde. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And nice. Sorry. That's the mind. thing that both horror movie, both movies this week do have in common is that they have screen kings and queens all through them that would go on to do all kinds of stuff and have big filmographies uh, in horror. So that was also an enjoyable part for me. Uh, so overall, I did like it. So is that three actors from Near Dark? Paxton... Hendrickson, and you're saying Vasquez oh, right. also? Oh, right, right. That's three. three. Wow, I didn't even think of that. That's half of the cast. I knew I knew wow. Paxton and, uh, and Hendrickson, but wow, interesting. I didn't know that part. Well, dazzling. <laughs> Spellbinding. Oh. Spectacular. Spectacular, intoxicating, wondrous, <gasps> awe-inspiring. One of the greatest sci-fi horror movies oh. of all time. One of the greatest genre sequels of all time, maybe the greatest horror. I call this a horror sci-fi or a sci-fi horror. I actually don't think it's as action-y as you're talking about, although I did go into it with a little bit of skepticism. I hadn't seen this, I don't think, since I saw it in theater as a kid. I don't Wow. I don't really? think I've ever gone back. I go back to Alien all the time, but in my mind over the years since I saw this as a kid in the theater, I kind of was thinking what Dave has been saying like going into this week I that's one reason I never went back to it because I was always like oh the action one I don't care about action I, I don't care about that stuff it's boring to me and annoying to me so I was a little like okay you know I'm sure it'll still be great you know it's considered I knew people love it I would compare this to The Godfather 2 oh uh, I would compare this to Basket Case 2 <laughs> I would com I would compare this <laughs> took a real if we're talking there. about sequels that are you know uh, arguably up there almost as good some might say better than the original a quiet place too I mean this is oh, in okay. that for me incredible I loved every minute of this and it, it reminded me of when we talked about the abyss I'm I'm not any I'm not a fan necessarily of, of James Cameron individually I couldn't tell you I probably haven't seen most of his movies since this Terminator. Uh, and that kind of early stuff, The Abyss, but just right away, you're in the hands of a master. And he was already a master at this point. He had just barely finished Terminator when this was made. He got the job on the strength of this, the script for Terminator before it was even made. You can just tell, that this is a guy, I mean, two and a half hours, I watched the two and a half hour version, flew by, uh, minutes are flying by. You, you were, it's, he's a time master. You don't even know, you're like, whoa, I've already watched an hour? We watch so many movies that you're trying to appreciate things about it, and you know, it's a, it's a piece of, it's archeology, span but sometimes- You're clock watching a little bit. A little bit, not like this. Now this no? is the cinema. This is what I'm talking about. I loved every minute of this movie, and I, I thought another thing that reminded me of not only The Abyss, but Terminator was the, the gender politics and the the sexual politics, the power struggles between men and women, that that runs through all three of those movies. And I, I presumably, probably, I would guess other ones, but I thought that was interesting. I definitely do call this a horror movie, like I said, sci-fi horror. I didn't, you know, I didn't think there was that much gunfire. The, the action of the gunfire didn't really bother me. I didn't think it was action or gun heavy, um, any, certainly not more than it needed to be. And uh, as far as the cast, you mentioned Paul Reiser. I thought that was a stroke of casting genius to have Paul Reiser and he plays it 
so good. I was really impressed with his ability to not be a mustache twirling, you know, cigar chomping. He never threatens anyone explicitly. He is the ultimate little soft, little banal, harmless corporate little man, bitch. little fucker rat. <laughs> Who every single thing he does that's that's evil is off screen. I mean, he's he's cowardly. He so good. I, I mean, I forgot that he was because I forgot most of the story. I just remembered the big suit at the end, mm-hmm. and that was about it. And lots of uh, snot. That was all I really remembered. So I forgot who was who and who did what and all that. Great one. Thank you for this pick, Kevin. I hadn't seen this movie in forever. Also, like I think since I was an adolescent, and I don't understand why because it absolutely slaps. You know what I realized the alien movie that I've seen the most of is Resurrection. Mm. The fourth oh. one. But it was that same thing of like it was always on cable. Or it was always on HBO when I flipped it. And so I was like in the fourth grade like, kill me. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I will. Very similar takes to everyone, I feel like, especially Dave. But I loved it from the get-go. But definitely the first one has that ethereal, you know, yeah. space odyssey vibe. So it's a different, you know, kind of situation, whereas this one's obviously a little more action-y. But each produces, you know, a different kind of scratch to an itch, you know? And some people love them both, you know? You don't want to yuck anybody's yum, you know? It's different strokes for different folks. I just happen to be one of those people that gets down with both of them. Obviously, the directors are, are why they're, they're so different, but... It's nice that Sigourney Weaver just kind of ties it all together, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like you never th- you never experience like a separation. Like they don't feel like different franchises. No, you know not what I at mean? all. Yeah. Even with the obviously like the same alien, but you're never like, oh, well, she's different now. Like it's just her, but like amped to like the, the nth degree. This one was nice because it kind of fo- it focused on that, you know, corporate greed kind of a situation. So there's like this different evil besides just the alien. It's not like, you know, there's a saboteur, our riser, our saboteur, who just wanted that sweet, sweet xenomorph money. So he sent all those colonists just right to their deaths. And then you find out, you know, spoiler alert, you find that out. And then he's like sabotaging, you know, Ripley, but not admitting to it so he's just like a different monster but then you know he gets it so it's really nice let's talk about the aliens they look great amazing Amazing. so many more aliens in this one like a lot more it's aptly titled many (laughs) they definitely were (laughs) accurate they look great obviously it's a different vibe because in the first one it was kind of like that you know like hidden monster kind of a feel like we saw it but it wasn't always just like right in your face whereas this one they're just like crawling on the walls and they're just like everywhere and there's eggs and there was that awesome scene where it's literally in plain view up against the wall and i couldn't tell and then when it like jumps out i'm like oh my god it was there the whole time that's crazy um so just visually i think they all look great we got to meet the queen which was just a whole nother mm. level. So cool. Definitely, I think the horror movie that's given me the most nightmares as a child and an adult would be Alien, just the franchise. So, And I think the Queen probably had something to nice. do with it. And then, just like the original, it has this peaceful and all wrapped up ending, and you're like, oh, perfect, this is great, until you get to the next sequel and then you're like oh fuck mm, yeah got me totally got me yeah. so good yeah. I, oh, uh, great. and then like in the third one you're like no but yeah 10 out of 10 hicks daddy of the week mm. hicks might be a perfect character in that you don't hate him for like a second in this movie he's always doing something nice yeah saving kids and giving googly eyes or whatever it was just great 10 out of 10 when i was watching this i th- saw a potential because there's not many women in the first one. I don't remember. There's like two. It's Ripley two. and then one more. Well, I kind of wished that when they got to the second one and they met the queen and it was her and uh, Newt, I thought that m- maybe it would be cool if they weren't killed because they were uh, they were women. Mm-hmm. And that, that maybe like spared them or something. But I know it gets cute in the third one. I remember like the... The baby floating off. Um, there was a, the cute alien in the in the third, right? Is that the third no, one? No, no, no. That's Resurrection. Are you sure? Ha-ha. That's the fourth. The fourth yes. one. Yes. Written by Joss Whedon, by the way. 
Oh, oh right. that's fun. Everybody's had a crack. Didn't Fincher do the third one? Yes. Yeah. What? Everybody's had a hand in yeah, this franchise. Yeah, wild. Fincher did the first one. Interesting. Yeah. Love that. So all the things that, Dave, you talked about, like Alien being sort of, I think we talked about this on the Alien episode. We did space. Like, it's like a haunted house. Like, right. It was like it, very... I, yeah, it's more like the guard. thing. There's something. more suspense. There's more. There's but less... I, but I think that... So this one retains some of that. It's just surrounded by other scenes. So I think you get the, kind of the same like claustrophobia when they get into this facility where they're looking for this community. Because LB-426 is the planet that Ripley and the crew land on in the first alien. So when she wakes up 57 years later and Paul Reiser's like, well, we colonized it. She's like, the fuck? What? So when they get into the installation to find the, the townspeople, I guess, for lack of a better term, there are some really good scenes of isolation. I mean, they're like sealing doors shut and trying to keep themselves in there. Uh, the scene that you were talking about, Kat, which terrified and like just really exhilarated me as a kid when you realize that the walls mm-hmm. are fucking aliens. Oh, like, man, that, I love it. That yeah, reveal so is so powerful. Yeah. Again, that's super, but it's all sort of like wrapped around and bookended by gunfire, <laughs> by yeah, the things right. that maybe were kind of like taking you out of the moment. To me, as also, it's a child, lit, it's I was like, dark monsters, monsters, I'm scared, guns, like <laughs> nothing could have worked better for the little boy in the 80s. So I think it retains more than we realize. Like Trent saying, like going back and revisiting it, I feel the same way that most that you guys did. Like I've probably passed over this a million times for a quote unquote casual view. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I spent time going through the entire franchise and watching all of them again, from Prometheus all the way through uh, Resurrection, that I was like, "Holy shit, this movie is like astounding." And I had never seen the special edition, so I watched that one as well, Trent. And I'm curious, I don't know if it's because I hold this movie so dear as a kid, but I almost, I I think it's super well done, and you're right, at one point I had to pause it for something, and I was like, this, an hour? I've already been watching this for an hour? It feels like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. flies by. But I almost wonder, story-wise, if like the special edition tells you a little bit too much. Hmm. Because like I don't remember in the in the theatrical cut, I don't remember Ripley's daughter ever coming. They out. don't. They don't. That's cut. cut okay, that so that's one difference. Out. The theatrical cut, they they don't talk about her daughter, which I think is very important to the story. It makes more sense what? to me because she lost one daughter, and so now she's her whole thing is by the end of this movie, she's not really thinking about her own survival as much as she's thinking about this is like her surrogate daughter. Now she has I another have, chance to actually be a mother and save her daughter. So. When stick. do you find out she had a daughter? Well, you, you can watch the son of a bitch. <laughs> so in the she, first she wakes one up or? after fifty-seven years, and Paul Reiser is kind of telling her the whole like, "Hey, by the way, you've been asleep for fifty-seven years." Yeah. She asks about her daughter. What happened to my daughter? And he has to say, "Well, she died at, at sixty-seven, at 67 or years old." Uh, and the actual I like see. picture of her daughter, who's an old woman. Uh, that's Sigourney Weaver's actual mother. Oh wow! Uh, that's doing fun. like see, a, I like that. Doesn't it make more sense now? The, it does. The in my up, brain, I was like, "Well, she took care of a cat in the first one, <laughs> so <laughs> then maybe by the second one, she was just trying Upgrade to a human. up the ante." <laughs> my only argument with this is just that when I think of this movie, when I think of the first Alien, I think of like it's up there with the greats, Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre, all that. This one is just a blockbuster movie to me. It's a good blockbuster I movie. But it, to me, it's just. It's I disagree not... for all the things that Trent was saying, though. Is like you, you have, like, you rarely in a blockbuster movie with a cast this size get such good character development from every single character. Like, there are very few characters that I didn't give a shit about when they died. I mean, even Drake, like the biggest meathead of them all, that gets it in like the hallway scene there. Like, even by then, I'm like, no, Vasquez likes Drake a lot. Yeah. Like, he can't die. Mm. I think it's really good character development. I think it does flip a lot of the stereotypes of characters on their heads. I think it's more than a blockbuster. It is very James Cameron, don't get me wrong. And it may be doing us a disservice to revisit this after seeing like Avatar, which to me, Avatar is just aliens light. Right, because they're in the suit. They're fighting in the suit at the end and all that. That's why I was saying Avatar. Aliens meets Pocahontas. You know what? They're in those big suits in in Avatar and they're like, the bad guys are in the suits. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think this is a little bit more than a blockbuster. It It definitely got the James Cameron terminator treatment well uh, that yeah i i read the, the at some point he and the other screenwriter i think were talking about let's do 
Alien meets the Terminator. So we'll have the horror of Alien, but we'll have that kind of more action-y type vibe of the Terminator. Put those together, you got Alien with a cash sign. Ugh. Legendary Ooh. pitch story. Yeah. Did you read yeah, that, yeah, Kevin? Yeah. It's called Aliens because that, he did Alien with a money sign. I think. Yeah, he came, in, he came in to pitch this, his, his vision of it, and he wrote Alien on the whiteboard and then put a dollar sign at the end of it. And that's why they call the Aliens. <laughs> that makes it worse. Alien 2. Makes it terrible. <laughs> I don't funny. like that at all. I've, and I've found multiple collaborations of this story, like and everybody that. thought this guy's crazy, but we're going to let him do it. Oh, it kind of works <laughs> a little bit. Are we going to talk about Bill Paxton's character at all? Daddy Pax. Daddy Pax. Game over, man. It was just like, uh, his voice yeah. was just like penetrating my yeah, brain and not in a this... sexy way. He said man way too. Man. Everything was man. Man. I loved him, though. When he dies, oh, God. Yeah. It's just heartbreaking. I mean. But he's an interesting character because you notice every time, he does freak out the most. And he definitely, like I said, tries to be the, co- the comic relief in the movie. But then he always does something super useful. He's the one that like gets them into the installation. He's the one that goes and finds the layout when they're trying to figure out, okay, we got to figure out like all the plans and everything for like he's actually like an incredibly smart, useful part of that team, but then just has all of the dumbest lines in the entire film. Hmm. I also think that in the first one, the reveal of what they're dealing with is a lot of what scares you because you're like, what's this parasite? What is it doing on the face? Oh my god, it, it's in you know, it's getting inside their body and you're finding out this stuff for the first time. So you go into the second one and, and you know what they're dealing with. Yeah. You know, yep. so it's a, it, yep. it's a little bit different of an experience. I liked how it gave you that little callback to the original in the, the cold open. You get a little bit of chest burster right, right out the gate. Oh the yeah. Dream. Production budget, $18 million on this movie. I can't believe that. Oh, we, it's I mean, 86. I mean, I don't know what that is in today's Well, money, remember um, what was the Toby Hooper space vampire Oh, right, right, oh, right. Life force. Yeah, life force. Life Force, $25 million budget. This 18, that's crazy to me. It's the same time. This looks like way more money than that. I also read that one of the reasons it took so long to make this was that initially nobody was hot on doing a sequel to Alien, even though it made a lot of money. One of the things that we don't talk about, I think, as much is we're always looking at production budget versus box office. And we don't always know what the promotional budget and other things were. So Alien, from my understanding, made a lot of money and the, the production budget wasn't high, but they spent so much money on promotion and other things that at the end of the day, the studio didn't really net that much. And horror movies were a little bit out of favor at this time. There were other comedies and things that were selling. And so it was kind of thought that it wouldn't be worthwhile. And that's one of the reasons it took so long. And there were a lot of bumps upon the way. There's some interesting production history of this. They made a ton of movies. Yeah, crazy. It took so long because the crew kept quitting and oh, they had nobody wanted to work problems. with Cameron. And, yeah. 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 I mean, we talked about it on The Abyss <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. He doesn't sound like the easiest guy to work with. But, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it made a shitload of money. And this was one of the first movies where it had sort of a... Uh, and after the fact, bump in merchandise. So you, this is when you started seeing like action figures get made and like right. all the toys and stuff like right. that. Like nowadays, you know, you'll have a movie where all that shits in the stores even before they know if the movie's going to be a hit or not. Yeah. And this one was sort of like a reactionary, like, hey, what if we made like you know GI Joes that look like Hicks and Ripley, and we put the alien, we made some alien monsters. Like it just, this this made a shit ton of of money. We should mention Stan Winston on effects in this. The original Alien was designed by H.R. Geiger. We talked about, I'm pretty sure, uh, when we talked about Alien. He couldn't be involved in this because he was uh, contracted with uh, Poltergeist 2, and it was a different studio, so they couldn't negotiate with him. So Stan Winston came in to do effects, but they stayed very true to the original Geiger design, which, like you were saying, that's part of, I think, what makes it... It, it seems very continuous for having two totally mm-hmm. different auteur visionary would be, you know, soon to be directors doing this. You know, it's not like Godfather, where at least it's the same, it's the same filmmaker. You know, mm-hmm. you go from Scott to Cameron, and it still seems uh, they kept enough continuity with, between Sigourney Weaver and the creature designs, all that stuff. Really, really it seems works. to be kind of an unspoken thing because no one really goes too crazy with going off the original Geiger. Uh, yeah, why would you? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's <laughs> hard I mean, enough even... to even take what's on paper already and make it come to <laughs> life. How why many would you go fuck with it? <laughs> how many different Godzillas we have? So Winston had a guy, John Richardson, work on a lot of this. And John Richardson, one of his earliest things was that movie, The Devils. 
Oh wow, nice. with Oliver Reed and and he, I mean, he's gone on to be an absolute legend, like Harry Potter movies no and things like that. But yeah, a, a lot of the people involved in this had really interesting uh, careers. Adrian Biddle did the cinematography. He would do movies like The Princess Bride, Event Horizon, which was my space we mm. picked, mm. Yeah. and a whole bunch. Uh, James Horner did the the music, did a lot of it at Abbey Road Studio. He would go on to do a lot of camera and stuff like Titanic, Avatar. Uh, he actually is the guy responsible for giving us the song "My Heart Will Go On." <gasps> so I don't know if that oh, makes that, him oh, that's... better or worse <laughs> wow. of a human being. <laughs> better. But he, we have him to blame for that, and he would actually take a lot of the mu- music that Cameron didn't want to use for this, and it would end up being the score for Die Hard. Oh wow! So uh, wow. apparently, he's used. To, he was used to working on movies for like three, four months, and he showed up in England where a lot of this was filmed. And they weren't even done yet. And Cameron was like, "Yeah, you're gonna have like a week or two to to score this movie. Pretty impressive yeah, score." For, yeah, I did for read that it was last window. minute. Yeah, yeah. I forgot that we were talking about Cameron having not having a resume except for the screenplays. To oh, and I forgot Cameron co-wrote the screenplay to First Blood Part Two, Rambo, and he had written the Terminator screenplay yet to make it. But he directed Piranha Two: The Spawning. That was his only directorial credit before. Well, I mean, Terminator did get made before this, but when he got this job, he had only directed The Spawning. This is really funny. Yeah, he's a, I mean, Corman guy, we talked about it. I think it's the So Bad It's Good. We talked about Piranha. Cameron worked on that because he was, he was, oh, Corman was the guy okay. that gave him his oh, first gigs right. in the industry. So, right. I, I need to review Piranha 2 now. I want to, I'm curious if how much Cameron you can feel in that one. <laughs> King of the, the world. Cool. Well, the, the new uh, the new Alien's supposed to be out this year. Oh, right. Fetty Alvarez. Fetty Alvarez, right. Alien Romulus, supposed to take place, well, uh, the debate we just had, it's supposed to take place between Alien and Aliens. <gasps> oh, that's, okay. Oh. That's what uh, Romulus Interesting. Was well, there's 57 years, I guess. That's yeah. <laughs> plenty of time. Yeah, I, I did think they did a, a poor job of showing even, like, minimal fashions Future, you know, like yeah. like fifty seven years later, people still wearing bandanas and well, mesh hats and like. <laughs> I noticed that um, Paul Reiser's uh, coat jacket, the collar on his suit jacket, was weird. That was one. Okay. Well, okay. That well, was their nobody in the none of the future. futuristic movies did anybody pick up on vaping because everybody when they, we all we talk about all these sci fi movies right. hundreds of years Standard in the future cigarettes. they're just yeah just like a mob the same old yeah, cigarettes just a cowboy killer that's Listen, it. Every, this movie invented the, the Apple Watch. <laughs> the Apple oh, Watch yeah. is in it did have the Apple Watch. All right, my next pick this week is the 2007 sequel to 28 Days Later. This is 28 Weeks Later. Six months after the original epidemic, the rage virus has all but annihilated the population of the British Isles. Nevertheless, the U.S. Army declares the danger past, and American soldiers arrive to restore order and begin reconstruction. Refugees return to British soil, but one of them carries a deadly secret— the virus is not gone and is even more dangerous than before. So this one, again, I just kind of stumbled on this, and I don't think that I had watched this one since it came out. I had never revisited this, and I think 28 Days Later is a relatively regular watch of mine, and, and I know we did that on the show, and I just I didn't remember if I liked this or not. So it's on Hulu. I caught it, and I was like, "Damn, I like it a lot." And it, it I think it fits well with Aliens because again, it kind of like ups the whole like militarization of a horror franchise. So you get a lot of what you get in Twenty Eight Days Later in terms of really good characters, and they do a pretty good job, I think, of humanizing some of the characters in this. Not as as good as they do in in Twenty Eight. Days. I mean, you spent a lot of time with like Killian Murphy's character and some folks. Um, but I was shocked at the cast of this movie. F- totally forgot that it's got like every single person that you would then watch in every horror and action movie for the next like 25 years. <laughs> One of the best cold opens, I think, of a zombie, you know, sort of like apocalyptic type movie. Fantastic cold open. Doesn't quite keep up that momentum. And it is like a very disjointed movie overall, I think, like where you're jumping kind of like from different scenes and different settings. Uh, But overall, I was really surprised at how much I enjoy this. 
again like Aliens. I think it retains some of what the original did well, amps up some other parts of it, and I was really pleasantly surprised at how fucking violent and gory this movie is. So uh, I loved it. Kat, what'd you think? I had never seen this movie before. Oh, nice. So this is a first watch for me. And I don't think this is a bad film, but I think that maybe I just don't really like zombie movies anymore. Mm. I think maybe I've moved on. You're zombied out. It's understandable. I'm a little zombied out. Yeah, yeah. They get a little, you know, repetitive. Yeah. It wasn't that it was predictable, but I feel like there are a lot of tropes that happen in zombie mm. movies that just kind of happen throughout this whole movie. Uh, not that, you know, like slashers and other ones don't have their own thing, but I feel like those are more fun to watch because you're, I don't know. It's, it's how, just it's how it's done. It's sometimes less, it's good, sometimes it's not so good. And yeah. Then, you know. Like Shaun of the Dead, great zombie movie, right. obviously. Every trope. Everyone's a big fan. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. you know, leans into it. I think what I don't like is that they're just so bleak. Like, you know that there's never going to be a good ending like there's never gonna be happiness you think there's gonna be happiness at the beginning of this movie and then they're like psych they just completely every character does every stupid thing that they could ever do why would you open the door for a blood covered child obviously there's gonna be zombies chasing oh, them oh remember not to have my kid near yeah, you no. sorry I'm sorry I'm gonna ask her about that later <laughs> <laughs> babysitter of the week <laughs> It's bleak in like this emotional way, but not visually. Like it's very, you know, it's a lot of action, a lot of running around, like a lot of hyped up people. Right away, it started off with, you know, this fight or flight survival moment. And then it was just the same amount of just like, ugh, like the rest of the movie. Like there was never an up. Hmm. You're like, oh, the family's yeah. kind of united, but it's, so it's not a good is, family. Yeah, it's I just. Agree. And it's it's not a long movie. It's what like between yeah, like an like an hour and a half. Average, like yeah. it seemed a lot longer just because you're kind of just waiting for the next like awful thing to to go down. You know what I think I don't like about zombie movies is that I, as you guys just pointed out, look like an asshole when I watch them because I'm like I would never do that. I'm not gonna go kiss my infected wife who's in quarantine. <laughs> like, How did he get in there? How did he, How get, did he in even there? get in there? Oh, they explain the whole thing. My part. They explain the whole thing. Yeah, they do. He's got. He's got clearance. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearance. It's stupid, is what it is. Okay. I did think it was interesting in this one that you follow one zombie, like, kind of through the story a bit instead of just, like, never seeing them again. And so it makes it seem like the zombies kind of are smarter because obviously this guy's going after this family, trying to get him. So that part was interesting. I liked that one. Obviously, the zombies are scary because they're so fucking fast in this one. And just like they turn right away. There's really no like gestation period. So that was the scary part, too. But I don't know. It was just kind of it, it's what you thought it would be, I think. And that's kind of just not really interesting to me. But I did like Idris Alba. He's handsome. He's a handsome man. Hated it. Hated <laughs> everything. <laughs> Thank you, Kat. You made me feel it. a little bit better. All right. Everything you said, but more so. Couldn't stand it, and I and I was really I was somewhat surprised because I saw this in the theater and it blew me away. Two thousand seven. I was like, especially after that open. Wow, I remember I was in my seat like, oh my god, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to take ninety more minutes of this, you know. And then I saw it a few years after that, and I didn't like it as much. And then seeing it now, I and it was the next thing that I saw after Poor Things. So. You know, mm. it, it was coming in at a disadvantage, maybe, but I hated every single thing, including the open, the mid aughts hyper cut editing music video editing style. The look, I don't know what this look is called, the faux grain. They use this in the Hills Have Eyes remake, which is one of the things I didn't like about it. Hate that look. The score, it's already happening. You're minutes into the film. The incessant, annoying mid aughts, like all. Rock fucking the, the ascending note thing, and then the, <laughs> the guitar. It never stops. The whole fucking movie, it never stops playing that, which is cool. In 2007, it was kind of cool, not cool now. Uh, and then when this is over, this opening and that 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 theme that you don't realize at this point, you're going to hear it a hundred more times. They go to it, it all goes quiet now. It's a different scene. The kids are on the train going into London after it's been cleared or England, wherever they are. 
and uh, they're listening to the voice over the loudspeaker instructing everyone, well, here's how it's going to run. We've cleared the city. You know, this is almost like it's been, like you said, militarized. It's occupied. A U.S.-led NATO force has come in, and it's not going to be the same as it was. So here are all the rules, blah, blah, blah. For some reason during that scene even, underneath that scene, there's this like, dum-dum, dum-dum, dum-dum-dum-dum, dum-dum. Like the whole time, where's the band? I thought I was watching like SVU, CS. I was like fucking bad prestige television. Every single thing, there's always some little music happening under it. Characters, didn't like them. Dialogue, I was laughing a lot. I would say the one thing that that was kind of fun is that so much unintentional chuckles for me in this one. I I mean, I, I assume unintentional. I just kept laughing at, oh man, it's FUBAR. And all these terrible <laughs> lines like that, he's executing hundreds of people. Um, even though all the, the people are in this that would go on to do great things, and, and I love Robert Carlyle, but I don't like him in this. I just think the, the lines he's given, the story with his wife, you bring this woman back for that? Yeah. You bring this woman back for that, and then it doesn't make, I, I couldn't tell you, um, I'm gonna, I'll stop my diatribe here, but somebody at some point tonight can tell me what exactly is the story of this movie, because I, I don't, I, I can't identify a story in this. There is no story. Oh, okay. My story is that um, where I live, there's mostly Airbnbs around me, I don't really have neighbors, and I found this new neighbor that likes to do drugs and listen to Metallica on vinyl. <laughs> so I've like reverted. So you have a new friend. I've reverted a little bit in my tastes. Uh, fully jean jacket right now. I'm like jean jacket with the patches on. I got the trapper keeper. I'm like <laughs> the trapper. <laughs> so the back patch. Is that way you go movie, to Evelyn's. This movie to me, um, I liked that it had no story. I thought it was a good follow up to. The other one, which was much different, but this one's like thrash metal. It's just like, it just goes and it's just gory and it's fast and it's cut choppy and it doesn't let up. It's unrelenting the whole time. Yeah, it's one dynamic. It's loud the whole time and it's just bloody and it's saturated and you don't know what you're looking at sometimes when it's moving so fast. Almost like a found footage kind of thing. But for some reason... I like that, and the things that you didn't like about it, I loved about it. Uh, I loved the reoccurring shoegaze soundtrack. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, let's go. Like, <laughs> I just thought it was such a bold move to do, and I thought that this movie, just to make a splatter fest that doesn't really have a story and ends so bleak, mm. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. good for you. Like, That's a good way to do a sequel. That's a bold yeah. sequel yeah uh it's not the blockbuster sequel it's like the grimy it, it wanted to be though it's to take everything to 11 mash everything up to 11 just smash it all but with totally different results yeah but to, to me the there is a lot of gunfire in this as well so but much. there is also more just brutal gore there's a lot of really just gross stuff the blood looks great that's the only thing i would argue about this film tone or this digital tone that they they have in this and this grain that you don't like oversaturated look yeah is that i love the way blood looks in this much more than you see now and i think that a lot of the blood in this uh is amazing and the relationship thing is just fucking savage it is so like the eyeball the eyeball thing is so fucking mean (laughs) and you're just gasping and I, I don't know. I loved it. I, I loved how it was fast-paced and it was thrash metal and it didn't have any meaning and it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, now that I've got to digest all of your takes, so let me, let me kind of like throw them back at you and maybe dissect a little bit. Mm-hmm. I never thought about this, cat because maybe we watch so many bleak, horrible movies. Mm-hmm. I never thought about it till you said it that there really isn't a moment of hope in this movie. No, it's it's predictable in a way that you know you're you, like you said it best. You're just waiting for the next bad thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Usually, I like that in a movie, though. Exactly, I love. Bleak and I didn't movies. even the notice it. This one, not because it's not well done, but because I think we've watched movies that are considerably more fucked up. But I can see how you could sit down and if you're a little zombied out, which I think all of our lives, our zombie intake becomes like cyclical. It's like. 
you know, you'll come back around. Mm-hmm. I'll talk okay. to you in a few months, and you'll be <laughs> like, just watch a great zombie movie, or I'm in the mood for him again. <laughs> it happens. Trent, there is a story. One hundred percent, there is a story. You're you are introduced when you find out that the mother survived the crazy cold open. That she has a genetic disposition that makes her basically immune to the carrier, so she still has the virus, which is how it's reintroduced to the militarized zone, but she is not showing any symptoms. And her son also has that same so right. that same thing so that's where kind of the only hope that's a in the situation movie. more than a story to me well so that's it, the situation but they're, but they're, they're what, try, what's they're the story now, they're now trying it's to like get those kids to safety because, eventually because eventually kid, renner goes rogue and wants to there's a story there cat i actually had problems with the fact that like the one zombie that robert carlyle carlyle's character was just following his kids i found that to be a little weird but i did, also didn't think about the fact that like well, that was like so prevalent on his mind that mm-hmm. he probably is just like, I need to fucking find these kids. Like, because the rage virus, like, you're just hyper focused on destroying anything. Maybe you are capable of like honing in on something. Dave, I had problems with all the things that Trent said and that you kind of liked. I actually found that to be a little bit jarring. Like, I didn't mind the soundtrack, I actually thought that was kind of badass. But I was having a hard time getting through a lot of the choppy editing, the, mm. the differences in camera use going from like you know found footage to like really not just like choppy editing like mid-aughts but like going between slow motion and blurry oh, yeah i didn't like slow motion. at times when i wanted to like maybe focus on like some of what was happening so I, I didn't love all of that and the movie doesn't look you know it does look a little funky like the nighttime quote-unquote nighttime scenes uh they develop some new style of shooting called like night for day or day for night or something so all those scenes where they're making their way through when Renner goes rogue and he's trying to get them through the snipers and everything that's actually broad daylight that they filmed all that and they used some technique to make it look like nighttime interesting yeah I think Um, it's a camera filter or something like on the lens or something yeah which I thought like it was funny because I noticed that before I looked up to be like how did they do some of this stuff interesting um but like Dave, I, I I just think that like start to finish, it's pleasantly surprising for a mid aughts sequel to, you know, arguably kind of like an alien version of a zombie movie, which was twenty eight days later, and a smash. It hit. was kind of an alien version. Of, that's what I liked about it. You're exactly yeah. right. That was and a this totally the same different thing. movie than this. It totally amped up different. everything. I mean, yeah. both both of the movies this week just kind of like, hey, yeah. we're just gonna we're going to eleven on this. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, there are some fucking killer scenes, regardless of whatever it's being but wrapped. You can't like, see them. Where's the gore? You mentioned the gore, Dave. Oh, I couldn't dude, see any gore. Like, all I could see was about nothing. His wife, like when, when she, when he kisses her and gets the rage virus, he just yeah. beats the shit out of her. Yeah, I mean, that was takes a chunk out of her neck and then yeah. puts his thumbs oh, so through her eyes. Oh, oh I forgot about Burns that. character okay, right. just gets her face bashed in with a rifle. Yeah, right. Yeah, night vision. I guess I couldn't really see that. Disturbing because. She has such a nice face, and she's such a nice lady, and she's just getting her face bashed to death. The helicopter scene? I mean, we're just, yeah. like, blowing through the star-studded no, no, cast. That, like, that was, Jeremy Renner, Rose no, Byrne, Idris me, Elba, Harold Perrineau. Yeah, that was one Imogen of the better Poots. scenes, the, the helicopter scene. The helicopter scene. scene. It's like a yeah. total, like, like... Oh, no, no, but... No, no, no. What I liked was just the, the drama of it, but the, the, the blades slicing through all oh, my God. It was just... Come on. That was a hypercut. That was the music video. You couldn't see anything. It was like, well, I know 100 zombies are getting mowed down right now, but I can't see any of it. It's yeah, just oh, shrill on. and annoying, and it's hard to look at. I think just you were like just me. in a bad mood. I wasn't. I was in a great mood. I had been to Olive Garden for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Olive Garden the other I day, too. Full of wow. breadsticks. He was ready to roll. I had the uh, chicken marcella fettuccine. I mean, when you're there, oh, wow. you're family. Oh, I was I loving hear. life. I was like, I'm going to sit down. This is going to get my best. This is going to This is going to be my best mood is going to be prevalent. And I just was uh, chuckling, chuckling at all the wooden, clunky, terrible dialogue and all the, the nonsensical endless, shit. endless uh, salad bar soup and breadsticks. Which kind of explains, you know, maybe our, our taste this week on this movie, you know? I'm just going for the all you can eat just to gorge myself as much as I can. And, you know, you just get a, you, a nice dish of I like some the fettuccine. Flavor. <laughs> oh. Fettuccine. The kids talking about the stupid things, Kat. Why would the these little shits, first of all, are they the yeah. heroes or the villains? It's unclear to me. They're terrible. They're terrible. Why would they kids. break out? Oh, no, no. 
kid of their age is going to break out of the code red militarized zone just so they can ride their bikes back to their house. And then the, and then of course they know where they are because in this version of an occupied force, it just means snipers on rooftops over the whole city and nobody can draw their curtains, I guess, or they don't. And they just spy on people all night. It's so weird. You know and then they know the kids are at the house and then they go, I found your puppies. <laughs> you know what? what they should have done? What? I'll say it right now. Taking them out while Taking they're running out of the out while they could. Killing children Boom. this week. Movie they could. done. Those kids ruined the world. They Those did. Those kids are the villains of the story. They brought it down. Why would they you save them? The world. They did. He's still a carrier, he, he dude. He admitted that's a story, though. They said he's still a carrier. The rubber Carlisle got the rage virus from her mouth, and they got this kid who's got that disease, and they're like, hey, buddy, you know yeah. what? Why and then he's just like running around running the around. Eiffel Tower or whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's just takes the kids to, out. Yeah, next thing you know, it's in France because of this kid. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I don't see how that was. That doesn't make sense to me. And that was added in. That was not originally in the script. The director actually filmed that after everything was done. I think I so read that. So that whole end sequence wasn't supposed to be it's, in there. It's dramatic and it's kind of cool. And I do like my bleak endings. And that was a dramatic one, the Eiffel Tower and all that. But it just means that Rose Byrne, her character was totally wrong the whole time. Her whole thing was this: these kids are so important because of the mother and the, the resistance to the disease and all that. So she was totally wrong. She didn't know what she was talking about. So what do we do all that for? I mean, you got to keep this kid away if that is the case. I mean, even like a yeah, he drinks out of a coffee mug at a diner. I mean, how you you got some guy washing dishes back there? You don't. He's you know, just walking like, around with this thing. All 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 um, Robert Carlyle had to do is give her a little smooch, and he was tearing her face off. Yeah. But this kid's just cool. He's just sneezing everywhere. <laughs> Kill the kids. This was pre-COVID. <laughs> and, I know, but there were some cool COVID. Parallels, I thought. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, thirteen years before, maybe they knew. Maybe <gasps> they did. It goes all the it's way to the top. They the, just based all their plans on from COVID on movies that they had seen. Yeah, 20, like, Twenty-eight <laughs> weeks later, thank God there wasn't a code red quarantine. scenario. And we talk about like the cast, and you know, in Aliens, obviously, you get the the big time, the Stan Winston's, the James Camerons. You got big people. This has a huge cast, like aliens, but the people behind the scenes, I had never heard of almost no, all. Juan Carlos Fresnadillo is no the director. No clue, and hasn't really done I know anything. nothing else that he's done. Very limited Very filmography. Limited. Yeah. The editing, I looked that up. Some guy named, I think, Chris Gill, because I was so found a lot of it so jarring. Yeah. He did uh, Danny Boyle's movie Sunshine, which oh, is like why Boyle couldn't come back and really do anything other than maybe exec produce this one. Uh, so like kind of all the people, I won't even tell you who did the music track because I'm afraid that you'll start like cyber stalking them. You're gonna hear it all through this episode. What, who, who did it? <laughs> John Murphy. <laughs> uh, but I just found it was interesting. You had such a an unbelievable cast. Yeah. And a lot of them were pretty underutilized. Uh, Idris Elba, like you said, you liked him, but like he's barely in the movie. Do we even see him die? Uh, I don't think he does die because no. in class, I mean, that's the thing. They don't really drill home a lot of the, the U.S. military angle. I think they were trying to make a statement, but they didn't do a great job. In that's, fact, they just had yeah. like the voiceovers you talked about, Trent, where a bunch of military chatter saying the dumbest shit. You could very stereotypical. But, yeah. uh, and then you had the code red thing where it's like, oh, we sniff something wrong, annihilate right. everybody. Uh, yeah. Pretty sure the elbow was on the first fucking helicopter out of there. I, I read something about some allegorical elements to the invasion and occupation of Iraq. And this is the real, the only real message of this is that us led NATO peacekeeping forces suck. Uh, and then it was trying to, but I, that doesn't really make sense to me either because if that's the metaphor, then who are the zombies? You know, it just is, I don't know. Also, you know, the thing about comparing this with the original, the thing about 28 days later the, to me, the big thing at the time was fast zombies. That that wasn't really much of a thing. Wow, fast zombies this is crazy. But in this movie, it's too fast zombies, too furious. <laughs> zombies can't. Tokyo just, drift. Well, these zombies are like the Kool Aid Man breaking through brick walls. I mean, like, come on, there's got to be some people. You, you have to have some chance to get away from the zombie. You can't have these zombies being that fast and furious. Doesn't work. <laughs> 
Oh man, if they had had fucking Vin Diesel in this, <laughs> oh Vin my Diesel. god, could have been riding one of these zombies. They were this, breaking like, special edition on Blu-ray, hundred mile an hour zombies, and just like one, just a zombified <laughs> nitro zombies, just a rage, a rage virus Vin Diesel, just like constantly being like family, speeding family, it's family, it's family. You know what? It is family in this movie. I mean, I guess Jeremy Renner is kind of a he's a hero. Straight up, yes, he's, <laughs> he's yeah. straight up. He's the Hicks, but the Hicks of this. I like that, but I in did, real life as well. But most yeah. of yes. the movie, I did. I liked how you thought kind of Robert Carlyle was the main character. Yeah, and it was kind of this interest. I, I would, I liked his character. I thought he did a good job. I liked that it was this feeling that you had of fight or flight, desperation, and I, I liked that, and wondering like what choices people would make yes. with yes. Well, this so we happens. Know. It's Cat. adrenaline like we gotta go now. Yes. You don't want to go I uh, you that. have to Yes. You have to do something like sorry. You know I love I mean? that. Like, that was so cool. I mean that was to me when I first saw it and even now that's the thing that opening scene sets up all these crazily heavy wild moral questions that you're really not expecting to get thrown at you in the first five minutes of a zombie movie. You're like damn that's crazy. Wow this is going to be a heavy movie but then you know, it, it it just resolves it with some eyeball eating, and you're like, okay, well, all right. And the, he's going to also survive the whole the whole of the U.S.-led NATO force. This one zombie is going to survive it all. They're never going to lay a bullet on the guy. Did you see the airplane uh, crash in Japan where the everyone on the the plane survived and the whole thing was engulfed in flames and exploded and everything? No. But everyone survived, and they said the reason why they survived is because no one went to get their carry on. Usually in those situations, everyone just dies because they're like, oh, I need to get my carry on. They get up. And you have 90 seconds. And that's like with the zombies. I guess that's. Oh, what they you, exited the plane. They exited the but, plane. Oh, okay. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but, uh, you know, that's what you got to do here. I mean, I would do the same thing. I mean, Excellent. I would probably maybe consider letting the kid in, but you got to give him the eyeball <laughs> test or whatever. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, wait. Let's go back to the kid. No. What? They had to let the kid in, Cat. Nope. They had to, I Keep mean. Keep that kid out. So the he... cold open, <laughs> how all this gets set up is the kid gets in and then someone else lets the zombie in because the zombies were following the kid. Well, he did. Robert she just, Carlyle looked, she just peeked just outside. abandoning his wife. Yes. Just leaving her, jump, climbing out of window That was supposed to running. be the question of the movie is what would you do and what are, the, what are the ethics of, you're facing certain death. In my mind, he was facing certain death. He was going to die. She was going to die. The only possible way one of them would live is if he just chucks it out the window. And so that's what he did. Now, one person lives and one person dies instead of both people dying. I give you guys... I'm bad at cardio. Okay. I'll be the first to... <laughs> I give you guys full permission to just leave me in the dust <laughs> if there's yes, a zombie man. apocalypse. You know? Hey, Jump you out have, that window. You don't have to outrun the zombie. You just have to outrun who you're with. Yeah. And I'm the slowest one. <laughs> so... <laughs> Same. Well, another sequel that uh, was has long been talked about. You figure, I mean, this was only four or five years after 28 Days. 28 Days, obviously, indie flick, huge success, did not, not unexpected by any studio's expectations. And then this one, Fox, you know, dumped a little bit of money $15 into it. $15 million dollar budget? Yeah, it that's, made like 60, I mean, 70 mil. Yeah. You would yeah, have thought so, that like uh, another one. And it's been. But we don't know about promotion budget, you know. Fair. Probably, probably decent. I yeah. mean, Fox. Yeah. But this one, they've been talking about doing a follow up for yes. years. Was, yes. At first, it was 28 months later, and now there continues, even in 2023. I was just reading this summer. They were years later because yes. they've taken so friggin' long. To Garland is still ground. talking about. He's saying it's in he said this summer that, that they've got he's got a script, a real script idea now in mind. But I guess he's been saying that for a long time. According to IMDb, it's in pre production. Nice. So who knows? What I wonder why it's taken so long. I guess the principals are just busy. Maybe we don't know that you know who has control over what. But Boyle and Garland have just been doing other things, and so maybe they just didn't want to let other people take off with it. But I'd be very interested to see another one. Mm-hmm. Next week, <laughs> it's Cats Week. Bitches be crazy week. <laughs> Oh wow! Brought to you by Cat. We're gonna Girl watch. Interrupted. Beaches. Filming movies. Steel yes. magnolias. To be um, clear, it is Cat's Week. Yes. Uh, 
what is it called? Bitches be crazy. Bitches be crazy. Yeah. This is Cat's Week. Cat's to called be it extra that. clear, not, yeah. not anyone else's week. Thank you. <laughs> um, we're gonna watch Influencer, which is on Shudder. Okay. Haven't seen it. Should be fun. And also, Fatal Attraction. Wow. Ooh, an erotic thriller for horror movie week. Well, well what? There's a thing. What? There is a thing. We, what did I do? We already covered Influencer the week you are out. Thanks for <gasps> tuning in. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> okay. Fuck. Yeah. You didn't even read the caption on the Instagram. Huh? I read it. Didn't even Fuck look. Fuck me, man. That <laughs> Not so even a passing interest. I hate you guys. It was right on the in- it's right on the internet right there. It goes right by. Oh, no, She's I'm like, ah. Yes, that's true. That was right because we were supposed to be on. Right. Oh, that was the sneaky one. Yeah, but it was still right. The one that. Okay, Trent. I'm really sorry that I fucking didn't read the so Instagram cast. So fatal attraction, though. So what if you yeah. lean into the psychosexual thriller and do okay? Do a, Give it, baby. You know. All right. Single white female. Oh And shit. fatal attraction. Yeah. We're gonna watch some okay. some sexy ladies nice. fucking shit up. Nice. All right. I love it. All right. Thriller week, yeah. 